everybody, welcome back to the Daily Wildcat Hoops podcast. I'm Ryan Walk here with Aiden Alperstein, um, and a lot's happened since we last spoke on this podcast. Um, but start off, at, how you doing today, Aiden? I'm doing well. Excited for another week of hoops. Yeah, well, let's get right into it. Um, Arizona currently, as we know, is 21 and three. They're second in the Pac-12 right now. Just a half a game behind UCLA, as we know. They beat UCLA a couple weeks ago here in Tucson. But to start off, I wanted to talk about one of the best games I've seen watching college basketball in my life. And that was by Azul Stabellis just um, a little uh, a little less than a week ago when Arizona beat Oregon here in Tucson. Azul Stabellis had 40 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, Three steals on 16 for 21 shooting. It was the most points by a Wildcat since 1995 when Damon Stoudemire dropped 40. Um, six most points in Wildcat history and only seven points away from breaking the all-time scoring single-game record. What would you think about this performance, Aiden, from Tabellus? It was phenomenal. Clearly one of the one of the best all-around college basketball performances I've ever seen, not just here in Arizona. And he's always scoring effortlessly, hitting 20 points every night. But I think he had 25 in the first half, 27 in the first half. Yeah, 27. And he barely played that much in the second half and was passing up some open looks he could have had. But the ball was just coming off his hand so nice, hitting those eight-foot shots that usually can be an area – of difficulty for him at times, but everything was falling. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, watching that first half, I, I thought he he easily could have got 50. I mean, when that second half started, you know, the last probably five minutes of the game, he had so many shots that, you know, his teammates just were missing him, weren't passing to him. You know, and then the last couple of minutes, last couple, you know, drives down the court, you know, they're playing kind of keep away. Oregon got it within, you know, about 15 they're trying to get it closer. Um, Arizona playing keep away. So, Tabellus, you know, ended with 40. But, you know, still an incredible performance. And this made me think in pretty much every game, because, you know, like you said, Tabellus is not just Arizona's most consistent player, not just their best player, one of the best and most consistent players in the entire country this season. And, and this brought me to my take is and takeaway is that he should be right up there like neck and neck with Zach Eady from Purdue for National Player of the Year. What, what do you think about that? Definitely. There's so many great bigs, and it's tough. He won't get there. He hasn't got all the recognition that he should have and deserves, but at the end of the day, yes, it matters, but I think he and everybody else would rather have the team go as far as possible. So Yeah, I, I mean, also – a lot of it's out of his control because this is going on for decades where, you know, people just don't give West Coast teams the respect, you know, until the tournament, obviously, when they're in the national spotlight every night. But, you know, when games are tipping off at, you know, 830 and it's 1030, getting close to 11 o'clock on the East Coast, I mean, it, m- most people, unless you're a diehard fan, follower of the sport, you're not staying up to watch, you know, an Arizona versus Oregon game, you know, but – yeah, so I think that's a lot to do with it. And so he would really have – for people to really give him the respect he deserves and someone on the West Coast, I mean, they would have to average, like, to me, over 25 and, like, 12 to get that true respect. 
Yeah, and you made a great point there about the times of games. It's tough. No one's no one's watching the games, especially when they're on the Pac-12 network starting at 9 p.m. here. Yeah, well, why? And this brings me to another question. What's the point of those start times? I mean, what are you putting – like, it's almost like the networks play into it that they don't want people on the East Coast to watch it, and it's just strictly for West Coast people, you know? And tomorrow night is another example. It's, it's, almost, it's almost every game for Arizona. They play most of their their home games at least – you know, late. I mean, obviously they're going to, you know, their last game against Arizona State this year and their last home game coming up in, in just um, about two weeks here when they're playing Arizona State in the last weekend of um, February. It's at noon, which is good. Um, national TV, let people um, watch Arizona. Um, and then, of course, you know, when they play, you know, the bigger schools like USC and UCLA, but you know, it's not all about the, the big matchups. It's about, to me at least, I think what separates a great player is someone who shows up and does it every night, you know, and, and it doesn't matter if it's against UCLA. It's showing up for those games against Oregon State, against Cal, Stanford, who they're playing this weekend, you know, the smaller teams. Because as we know, Arizona slipped up against some of those easy or should be easier wins in this earlier in the season. And they ever since they flipped that lineup, they've been back on track. I don't anticipate this weekend's games to give them too much trouble. So, yes, it was earlier in the season. Yes, everything you said was valid. But at the end of the day, I think the season, you expect some road bumps in the beginning and middle of co especially a college basketball season. It's a lot shorter than people think and what it seems like. And – the good news is they're fixing everything that went wrong towards March. And right now, right now I'm happy. And I, I think, I think they're just going to keep riding it out and we'll have to see where it takes. Yeah. And you know, something else that I thought of is if you would have told people that, you know, less than 10 games left in the season, you know, after losing three players to the NBA, it's like to be 21 and three, you know, fourth best country or team in the country, it's like if you would have told people, like, they would have thought you're crazy probably. I mean, this is – it's kind of the opposite. You know, last year's team came into the year unranked, and then they worked their way up. This year's team kind of really quickly, you know, just sped up through the rankings because, you know, they beat so many ranked teams. Maui tournament helped, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I, I really think that throughout the last couple games, something that else has came – to my attention and that I've thought about is is Jules Tabellis's you know NBA draft stock because I've been a guy that somebody like Tabellis has been really hard for someone like that for me to really kind of view highly of in you know the NBA world and landscape just because you know he's a bigger guy he's not great on defense tra traditionally he's not a great shooter um and, and guys like that normally don't bigs like that normally don't you know translate well in the nba but aiden for me the last couple of games I, I i've really did a 360 i mean i, I really think that there's a, a strong path for tabellas to get to a guy like demonis sabonis what do you think about that i think that's a little bit of a stretch just because of what he's accomplished so far in the league but his shooting ability is a lot better than people would think it's not great from the perimeter, but he's excellent at the line, probably upwards of 70%. And then his ability to run the floor and grab and go 
is just it kind of counteracts for everything and i feel like that's an area his athleticism feels like it's gotten to a different level this year do, do you kind of agree with that because it seems like last year something that i always felt is that he just wasn't a great athlete he wasn't moving too well and it seems like that was holding him back do you think that's kind of improved here well he's getting a lot more deflections with his hands is what tends to happen with him he's not great mobility mobility wise with his feet but his length kind of plays to an advantage which allows him to get the ball and get in transition which he gets a lot of his buckets and his motor's terrific for someone at his size he, he just he doesn't stop he doesn't get tired he's just a joy to watch yeah and it also seems like since the guys left for the nba and he's kind of taken on that best player on the team role it seems like he just kind of plays harder i mean i'm not saying the last two years he wasn't a hard worker he didn't play you know hard every single night which i i think he did in the previous years but it just seems like this year he has a different drive different energy level to him you know every single night because i mean he does he has a lot more pressure on him this year you know he's the he's you know the leading scorer and he came into this year you know supposed to be that guy and just the kind of level that he's gotten to and the kind of improvement this season is unbelievable let me let me read off his stats from a season ago 14.6 rebounds on uh 54% shooting from the field 26 from three points 67 percent from the free throw line this season Aiden he went from 14 points to 21 points nine and a half rebounds shooting 41 percent from three point range I know it's on limited attempts still really good 57 percent from the field and 77 almost from the free throw line what, what do you think about that and it's like you, you don't see a lot of guys improve that much in the span of you know a couple months he's dialed in it's really what it's come down to in his growth that whatever he's doing behind the scenes has really led to the increase of numbers but he's getting to the foul line so much which is just it's great for someone at his size to be able to convert at the line. He probably makes on average five, six free throws a game. And like I said earlier, he's shooting probably a little bit above 70%. So he's just scoring in all different types of ways in the half court, in transition. The next step is really getting that right hand and stretching a shot out to the perimeter. Yeah, all right, so – I'm moving on a little bit and just staying with the Oregon game. Arizona won, you know, by 15 points, but I thought this was one of their overall best performances. As we know, Tabellis dominated, but even everyone else, you know, shooting over 53% from the field, 43% from deep, 86% from the line. I mean, these are really good numbers while, you know, having – you know, almost five guys in double digits. Pella had nine. Other, uh, you know, four players had over ten. Um, who else stood out to you in this game, and, and what did you see here? I, I thought the past four games, Kerr has been phenomenal, and we tend to get on him a lot. But he, he's been shooting the ball out probably close to 45%, dating back to the Washington weekend, starting at Washington State that Thursday. And he, he's just been great. He's been controlling the game shot selection yeah he's gonna pull the deep ones but you got to live with that but he's been doing the little things he's always he's on the ground a lot taking charges he's been that focal point and Cedric Henderson and his numbers won't and his production won't show up on the stat sheet but 
he's been great. He's been phenomenal, doing every little bit that I can ask. He's been playing the three, the four a little bit since they've gone small at times. He's been fun to watch. Yeah, no, I think yeah, both those guys you mentioned, just staying with Kerr, I think Kerr has been really good. Um, you know, he had three down. He had three really good games: 15, 18, 13 points. He made over um, made over four threes in each game. Since made six against Washington, as we know, um, a week or two ago, which was really good. But something I've stood by, and my stance really doesn't change, is that Kerr being the point guard, basically the fate of this team lies in his hands. So. I mean, if he makes, if he's making, five, if he makes four to six threes in in a, in a tournament game, it's like they're most likely going to win because you know Balo and Tabellas are really consistent. Um, and then it's like if Kerr and, and Ramey, and then you got Henderson and you know Larson, if those kind of four guards, type guard shooters, are making some shots, I mean, this team's really hard to beat. But that's kind of been the also a downfall for this team and a negative because. If these guys and Kerr's especially, you know, as you mentioned, he takes a lot of shots. His shooting selection's been a little better this year than last year, I would say. But, do, like, how confident are you with Kerr, you know, and if he does have a down game, which he did against Oregon State the last game, we'll get into that. Um, how confident are you that this team can still kind of win, even if Kerr, you know, doesn't shoot his best? It's tough because – a lot of times when Kerr doesn't play great, Ramey doesn't play great either. So the two go hand in hand. And to win games, one of them is going to have to – they're going to need about three threes, three, four threes from them combined with the production, assuming because most of the shots they take are threes. So, I mean, I think they can win games, but it's just going to be a matter of the little things that everybody else chips in. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another issue for those two guards. Is is all like yeah, like you said. I mean, almost all their shots are three pointers or from deep. You know, it's like the thing that separates guards is when they drive in. It's like if Kerr would add like two baskets a game. You know, driving to the paint, getting fouled, getting some foul more foul shots. I mean, that would take this team and his game alone to the next level. But the, you know they're reluctant to really do that and that's I feel like that's a part that's holding this team back but Aiden someone else that got some playing time for the first time in, in a very long time and he got some meaningful minutes that's um Adama Ball he played against Oregon State he looked um he looked really good what did you see from him you know he had eight points he only played 10 minutes but two threes you know had a couple rebounds couple good defensive plays um, I, I came away from that that I think he deserves to be in the rotation. And if he's not, there has to be something going on that we don't see because every time it seems like that guy touches the floor, he does something good. Well, I think the biggest problem with him is having and challenging him to buy in on the defensive end because when he checked in against uh, Oregon State, he looked great, was active, had a couple deflections, which led to one of his threes. And if he can buy in and accept and really grow, I think his offense will kind of kind get a little bit better and a little bit more polished if he starts to play both ends of the ball. Because as great and as much promise as there is with him on the offensive end, defensively he's kind of been struggling throughout his first year and a half here. So I – I think if his defense starts to grow, he'll start to get 
more confidence on the offensive end and being able to play both ends of the ball will really help him. Yeah, I think it's a kind of a tough situation because in a lot of these big Pac-12 games, Tommy's been shortening the bench to seven players, you know, about the past month or so, you know, plus. And for me, it, just looking at it, it's probably hard for some of these younger players like Adama Ball, like, um, you know, Phillip, like, you know, Dylan Anderson and Henry. They're trying to grow, but, you know, when you're not seeing any court time, you know, it's probably really hard to get better because – you know, you can practice a lot, but in-game reps are really, you know, how you kind of judge how you're doing against the opposing team. But, yeah, I, I think Adama Ball, I just think there's no reason he can't play a couple minutes a night. I mean, he, he as a spark off the bench, you know, even bring him in for five minutes. If he's not doing well, you take him out, you know. But I, I think he – I just think he could be a really key piece and an X factor for this team down the stretch. And – I think that's what this team needs. I think they need some one of these guys to step up off the bench, you know, to kind of take this team to the next level. And we got to think they're going to be playing in the Pac-12 tournament, which is probably going to be three games in three days at this rate if if they uh, advance to the championship game. So a six six man rotation isn't sustainable. Six seven. So at some point he's going to have to test the younger guys, and I think this weekend is another good opportunity in a low-pressured situation. Yeah, someone else I was really impressed with, someone that we kind of weren't super high on early in the season, um, is Phillip. I mean, he played seven minutes. You know, he only had four points. He had an assist, um, made a three-pointer that looked good. But I just was really impressed by it. He seemed like he was moving a lot better. It's Defen a lot, defensively. Yeah, defensively. A lot quicker on his feet um and, and he's you know he's six seven he's a guy that you know if he gets locked in defensively he's a useful guy i mean this team doesn't i mean it, when they're playing a seven man rotation you know tommy always talks about pella and how he can play a lot of different positions but you know he can only do so much he's six seven and you know just some of these guys are playing so many minutes and like you said a heavy you know stretch coming up of a lot of games and you know very few amount of days so I mean, I, I think Phillip, you know, could be a guy where you bring him in for a couple minutes, see what he has. If he's on that night, um, you know, give him give him a nice run and, and give someone else a little bit of a rest. And this this brings another question is that I think some of these guys are capable that, you know, if a guy like Kerr's not on or a guy like Ramey, I, I think you give a guy like Adama Ball and, and Boswell, you know, a boost in minutes. I mean, I, I don't think – any of these guards that are playing are super like should be super locked into a position because I just don't think they're that consistent and I don't think they've earned it. I, I think Adama Ball, Boswell, I, I think they should be getting more minutes if the guys in front of them aren't playing well. Boswell's been great for <clears throat> for the amount that he's been playing in the limited stretches. He's always impacting the game and. I really do like him playing against Kerr in the few times that they've been on the floor together. Makes the team a little bit quicker, but there's really no right way to guide it right now, and it's just going to have to see where everything ends up. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Arizona's in a really good spot. You know, right now they're, based, they're, they're on the one seed kind of line here, and, you know, after this weekend they have um, – I believe they have – seven games to go after this weekend um 
This weekend they play. No, no, no. This weekend, after this weekend, they have five games. This is their last away stretch. Yeah. Yeah, so they play at Cal, at Stanford, and then they have Utah, Colorado. ASU will be their last home game. And then, yeah, they go to California for the last two games against USC and UCLA. Um, But, yeah, I, I, you know, part of me looking at that schedule where they play the L.A. schools, you know, but right the week, couple days before the Pac-12 tournament – makes me kind of think, oh, it's bad. But I think it could actually be good for this team because it'll test them the week before the Pac-12 tournament. Then they go to the Pac-12 tournament. They're most likely going to have to play USC or or both of them or one of them. The you know, round. yeah, like one of or in the championship, depending on how, you know, the bracket breaks down. <laughs> but I think that's good, I mean, because, I mean, at the very worst, I mean, I think at the very worst as it's looking, unless this team totally collapses, which I don't think they will, I think they're a two-seed in the – in the March, yeah, at the, at the very split at the LA's. No, yeah, at the very mm-hmm. least, um, because they uh, split. because I I would be shocked if they're not in the Pac-12 championship um, tournament, um, and they still obviously mm-hmm. could win the regular season depending on how they do at USC and UCLA later in the mm-hmm. season. But what are kind of your just some of your kind of predictions or expectations and some of the thoughts you have for these last couple of weeks here of the season? It's crazy to think that. We're basically exactly exactly like a month away from the start of the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, I, I do expect them to win out uh, from now until the, the L.A. schools, specifically because they have the tougher opponents at home. And I, I don't think they're going to lose another home game. They're just too talented in general. And then that wake-up call against Washington State, it, it just doesn't make sense for me to think that they're going to lose another game at home. And then this weekend, I don't expect them. Stanford's been playing some better ball, but I think they'll squeeze by by yeah, 12. I, yeah, 10, I agree. 12. But I, I just an early prediction. Um, <clears throat> getting to this later towards the end of the year, but as it comes up, but I, I think if I had to say right now, I think they lose to UCLA um, in that um, that crazy crowd at Pauley. Uh, it'll be sold out. Senior night for so, Hawkeyes. Yeah, yeah, so I, I think they'll lose that one, okay, but. Well. I mean, I don't think that's a big deal, you know. If they split at the LAs and went out until, and if they went out from now and split to the LAs, it's still, still a win in my book. No, yeah, I mean, to to, to split with UCLA is the, you know, the real bad thing is if they're if they lost to UCLA at home and then they're going into their their, uh, you know, UCLA's home game going or being down one game to them already in the year, that would have been bad. But no, I think they're in a good spot. Um, shaping up here the last couple of weeks but before we go Aiden I just want to talk a little bit about the, kind of the overall rankings uh I haven't been a fan of the rankings this year I think there's been a lot of I don't think there's been a dominant team I think there's so many a, a group of teams a lot of teams that are around the same um and something that just stuck out to me is I, I just don't know how a team could be number one like Purdue and you know lose you know to they lost to Indiana who was barely ranked I mean 21 and you're still number one it's like what is that even it, it doesn't that doesn't even make any sense to me yeah it, it makes no sense it I don't I tried to pay uh not too much attention to it but you just got to win the games that you're presented with it's I don't really pay too much attention to the polls yeah I mean I think Arizona I mean the the big 12 has been really good this year so I mean, it seems like, I mean, all those teams are basically just beating each other. But, I mean, besides those teams, I mean, I think Arizona's have 
has a better resume than Purdue, um, Houston, and Alabama. I really do. I'm not saying they're the better team. I don't because I, I don't actually think there's one team that's the best right now. But what do you think about that? Do you think there's one team separated at the top? No, I, I don't think there's one team better than the rest. It's just going to have to depend on matchups. I think Alabama is extremely talented and they're they have the most depth. But I think it's hard when your best player is, you know, a freshman, even though he seems like, a, you know, once in a generation type freshman, great season mm-hmm. with Brandon Miller. I still think, you know, that is tough when, you know, you could be in tight, you know, games later in the season and you're relying on a, a kid who's been there a couple months. I think that can be hard. And we've seen in the past, you know, with, you know, Baller, Kansas, Nova, older teams, you know, having success. Um, but Aiden, any other final thoughts before we go today? No, I mean I'm excited for everything to play out. I think they're in good shape to just keep on riding the wave, and we'll have to see see come March where we shape up. Yeah, well we'll sh- be sure to have another check in before the end of the season. Thanks for joining me today, and thanks for everyone for tuning in. Follow us on Wild, follow us at Wildcat Sports on Twitter for all of our coverage leading up to March. Thanks.